Brian, come and share with us, if you will, please. Hey, everybody. How you doing? So um, we are starting a new series called Thriving in Babylon. And this is based off of a book um, by Pastor Larry Osborne. Um, I read this book actually probably about two or three years ago. Uh, really was impactful to me. Really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it was very insightful. And uh, I'm really thrilled that we had a window to be able to do the teaching um, for the series here. So the whole purpose of this series of Thriving in Babylon is to learn to be faithful to God and fruitful for God in an increasingly post-Christian godless culture. You catch that? That's why we're doing this next five weeks, to learn to be faithful to God and learn to be fruitful for God in an increasingly post-Christian and godless culture that we live in. Now, the journey that we're going to go on is not necessarily through the book of Daniel. So this is not an expository teaching of the book of Daniel, but we'll be looking mainly at the person of Daniel and some character qualities uh, that he had uh, that we find in the book that he wrote. Now, I do have to tell you that Daniel has a special place in my life. Um, when I was a kid, uh, and we would go to church when I was a kid, like a lot of kids, I'd go to like big church, right? And I would tend to get a little maybe bored. And, you know, my family, we'd sit up on the shelf, you know, up, on the, uh, up in the balcony uh, oftentimes. And if I, like, didn't like, you know, if I wasn't, like, really captured by what the preacher was saying that day, I'd get out of the Bible, I'd start reading Daniel. And I'm reading about the lion's den and, you know, the fiery furnace. And I'm, I, I, you know, it's a, it's a great Sunday school book because there's a lot of cool stories in there. And so uh, I, I, really, I really love Daniel. So um, the scripture we are going to kind of just launch off with is in Daniel chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, please um, get it out or open it on your phone or whatever you do. Um, I'm a big fan of paper things. So Daniel chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 to just kind of get us started this evening. It says this. It says, uh, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom." endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace. Cream of the crop, best of the best. And to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, 
he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. This is the word of the Lord for us tonight. Let's pray before we keep going into this, all right? Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together. Thank you so much for uh, your word that you give us. And uh, the, I, Lord, I just really pray that as we look at Daniel, as we start this tonight, that we are able to really learn the things that we need to learn, to live the way that we need to live so we can thrive, so your church can thrive, so the gospel can go forward powerfully and build your kingdom. Lord, that's what we pray for tonight because that I know is your will because that's what your word says. So, Lord, we just bring that to you. And, Lord, we do want to pause before we go any further. When we do want to lift up our pastor, uh, as Pastor Mark is dealing with some health issues, we just want to just turn our thoughts to him uh, and just lay him at your feet. Pray that you touch his body. Pray that you heal him, Lord, and, uh, and that you bring him back to full strength uh, for him to fulfill the ministry that you have called him to. Uh, so we lift that up to you as well tonight. We pray this in Christ's holy and precious name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay. So uh, what I want you to do is think about our world both socially and morally. Think about our world today that we live in both socially and morally. And here is the question I have for you. Okay? This is interaction time. So, um, are we better off now than what we were 25 years ago? Socially and morally, are we better off now? Yes or no? What do you think? No? Okay. What about 50 years ago? Are we better off now? No. Does anyone think yes? No? Okay. What about uh, 150 or 200 years ago? Are we better off now than what we were a century or two centuries ago? What do you think? Yes? Yeah, so we have a little bit here and there. I was not alive back then, so Charlie, maybe you were okay, <laughs> to be able to attest to that. I don't know. But, but look, now here's what I, I want to hear some things. So now some things have, some things are improved, right? Uh, and some things are worse. Now, so as we look back to our history, maybe just in the last, you know, 25 to 50 years, what do you think are some things that are better? right now, socially, whatever, moral in our world, what's better? What's that? Did I, someone say cars? I would agree with that. Cars are way cooler today than what they were back then. We got phones. Okay, we got phones, and you know, I think a big thing with this we could say is communication. Is communication, okay? I did pass English. Um, yeah, what, anything else that's better today than what, you, than what it was 50 years ago? Healthcare? Poverty? Okay, so we got healthcare, uh, poverty, alleviation, civil rights. What's that? Just general living, overall living, quality of life? Okay. What about some things that are worse? What's worse now than it was half a century ago? Pollution. What, what else did I hear? I heard something over here. Dis something. 
disconnected. Isn't it crazy with how good communication is? We're still like terribly disconnected. What else? Morality. Lack of discipline. What else? Anything else that's worse now? What? Government. What else? What are here in the back? News media. Okay, so we have some government. We got media. So, you know, it's interesting as we look at this right now, um, a lot of this is... I mean, it's a little, yeah, it's a little on the balance side, but some of this is like just like the tangible things, how technology and that some improved, but you know, we, we see some of this morality, lack of discipline, social disconnection. You know, it's interesting. It, it, it seems like there is certainly a, a push that while there are some things that get better with, uh, you know, with things that we can make and things that we can do, there's also a decline in some things of character and people and all those sorts of things. And I think that's pretty true. So, you know, I think one thing we can agree with is that a, a thing that, can, that continually defines our culture more and more year after year is that personal power, pleasure, and exploitation begin to define our culture more and more and more. Okay? Listen, I mean, if you, wanna, if you wanted to be depressed quickly, you just put the news on, right? There's, there's no good news. It's always bad news, right? That's what's on the news all the time. No, but as bad as we may think our country, our world is headed in many ways, we don't and never will hold a candle to Babylon. Never will. We'll never hold a candle to Babylon that's talked about in the Bible, okay? You know, and, and listen, I can go and we could talk about this a little bit, and I encourage you to get this book and read the book. We're going to be watching some, some teaching as well, and then um, tonight you're actually going to hear that highlighted a little bit. So what, but the big picture is this. In the middle of an extremely depraved and godless culture called Babylon, what we find is a man of God who maintained his faith, who maintained his integrity, who had tremendous influence. In all the ways that mattered, he thrived. And we're talking about the person of Daniel. In all the ways that mattered, he thrived. The question is, how did he thrive? How can we thrive? That's what we want to learn. And our main topic tonight is the bedrock foundation for everything for the next four weeks is this, the power and sovereignty of our God. That's the bedrock foundation of everything. A phrase you will hear often tonight is this, God is in control of who's in control. And we're going to show you in Scripture how true that is. This is what our time will look like each week. Um, each week when we come together on Wednesday night, there will be a brief introduction um, by myself or another teacher. Um, they will then go into a 15 to 20 minute video. And on that video, uh, you'll get to hear from a couple different people. There's a little host on the video. Um, but you'll also be able to hear from Pastor Larry Osborne. 
Uh, Pastor Osborne is from North Coast Church in San Diego. Um, he is a leader in the evangelical community. Um, he's written numerous books. Um, he is an authority on church leadership. He's a tremendous Bible teacher. He pioneered the multi-site movement for churches. He's, a, he's one of the best pastors that our country has. So I'm really excited to hear, uh, to hear from him. We'll also, in these videos, hear real-life testimony of people just like you and me asking big questions as they are navigating life. And these questions, what they're facing, have to do with the topic that we are on tonight. After the video, there will be a little bit more live teaching to go a little bit, uh, do a little bit deeper dive into that topic. And then you all should have them. If you don't, we, uh, we'll get them to you. We are, uh, there, this study comes with take-home sheets. So the big 8.5 by 11 sheet that's available, if you haven't gotten that, uh, we'll get it to you. One of the ushers will get it to you. You just raise your hand. And that's something for you to take home. You can use it as personal study throughout the week or maybe even talk with your friends or your C group, uh, C2 group or something like that. So something you can continue learning through the week. Okay? So that's where we're going. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to push pause on myself and we're going to push play on the video and check out Thriving in Babylon. So what I want to do is um, dive into some of these bigger topics that were brought up in this. I do, again, uh, I encourage you to use your, the take-home sheets to really work through this over the next week. I encourage you to buy the book. I encourage you to talk about this with your friends, with your group. Dialogue, these are big things. We talk about, you know, let's, hey, let's start off something easy the first week this year. Let's talk about God's sovereignty, right? Really light topic. Uh, but no, this is really, this is really big stuff. And so, Let's talk about sovereignty, about God's sovereignty. Now, I think this is a difficult uh, concept for us to understand for a couple reasons. I think one reason it's hard for us to understand is there is a cultural barrier that we have um, because we live in the 21st century. Uh, we live in a democratic form of government that was formed in large part to get out from under the rule of a tyrannical king. So ruling ourselves, being independent, and having a vote, this whole idea of freedom is in our bones, right? And so I think with that, you know, when we talk about sovereignty and all that, there's a cultural thing that we as 21st century Americans struggle with. The other, the other struggle is there is, I think, a theological struggle. Theological. Now, uh, you know, because here's the reality is we do have a choice in regarding the living out of our faith and life. We, we do choose that every moment of every day. You know, and on the surface, that feels at odds with the concept of God being in control. Our freedom, God's control, how does that work together? Plus, as the video mentioned a couple times, we look around and we see so much evil, so much destruction, so much godlessness in our culture and in the world, it seems like Satan is running the show instead of God. It certainly can seem that way. Let me say this. 
let us not ever get the prince of the power of the air, right, as the Bible describes Satan. Let's not, let's not get the prince confused with who's truly the king. Let's not get that confused, all right? God is king, always has been, always will be, all right? So where do we get that? Let me, you know, if you, if you just look in your Bibles and you start doing a search on like God's sovereignty or God's, I mean, you will be reading for hours. Let me show you two verses. Psalm 103 verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. God establishes throne, his kingdom rules over all. Then we jump back uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 16, uh, chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, says, which he will display at the proper time. He, talking about Jesus, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. So we see in our Bibles, from the front to the back, that God is, always, has been, always, will be king. Okay? He is our sovereign king. So what does it mean then to live in his kingdom? Now what we actually have is this whole idea of we have freedom under rule. That's what we have. We have freedom under rule. Here's a misconception of God's sovereignty. God's not a puppet master. He, we don't, we're not walking around like, right, with strings, you know, just kind of doing every little thing you know, that the guy in the sky is telling us to do. We have freedom under rule. He's not a puppet master. We have the freedom to obey or not obey. Obedience, our obedience, honors his goodness and authority as king. That's what our obedience does. Honors his goodness and authority as king. We do what's right in our king's eyes according to his word. That's obedience. Disobedience or sin, you know what that says? It says that we want to be king. We want to be the king of our little kingdom, the sovereign of our own little life. We want to do what's right in our own eyes, not what's right in our king's eyes. So this whole idea of freedom within boundaries, here's I think is a really helpful understand, like a visual of of God's sovereignty and his rule as king. So we have, you know, this crown, okay? That's a symbol that God is king. And then he has established, right? He has built this kingdom. The entire universe is his. Okay? And that's what this box represents. Now, we're here, and we get to do a lot of things, right? We get to go where we want to go, decisions we want to do, say what we want to say. But it's always within the boundaries of his kingdom. Listen, people's disobedience has no bearing on God's kingship. Just because someone disobeys and doesn't follow the king doesn't mean that the king isn't king. We have to understand this when we're talking about God and his sovereignty. 
God knows the numbers of hairs on your head, and he provides for you every breath that you take, but he does not manipulate you. He does, not, he does not manipul manipulate your every move, word, thought, things like that. That's not what he does. So, we've heard this phrase, God's in control of who's in control. How does that play out? Here's what I think it means. God is constantly arranging the big pieces of life to achieve his purpose. Okay? God has a purpose and a plan, right? He is, he is getting us from point A to point B. You want to know what point B is? Okay, it's in the back of your Bible. That's what point B is. We're all going to get, and it's moving towards that way. He's constantly arranging the big pieces of life to achieve his purpose and then to help get the small pieces of life, such as our lives, our decisions, our obedience, in order as well. Scripture is clear that the rulers and authorities are put in place by God as a means of either blessing or discipline, but always according to his purpose. Let me give you one quick example. We have Easter coming up in another month or so. And so in John chapter 19, Jesus is before uh, Pontius Pilate. And in verses 10 and 11, we read this, this interaction between Pilate and Jesus. So Pilate said to him, well, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Pilate's confronting Jesus saying, listen, your life is in my hands. Jesus answers back, verse 11. Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Jesus is looking at the man who is going to sentence him to be crucified. And Jesus recognizes, you do have authority over me. My life is in your hands right now. But the only reason it's in your hands is because an authority higher than you put you here to do this. Jesus knew God was in control of who was in control to achieve God's purpose of salvation in this, in this case. So our perspective then is this. We need to understand and have the perspective as we're working out this whole idea. My goodness, this microphone is driving me crazy. Um, we're working out this whole idea of God's sovereignty and control, that God is a good king. God's a good king and has a good purpose for his children and his creation. Now, like Larry said in the video, um, God is more concerned with our ultimate holiness than our current happiness. And we can't get our current happiness confused with our ultimate ho holiness. Okay? We need to understand there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is situational. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is a feeling, right? Um, my wife, you know, God bless Dawn, she was, uh, you know, we were talking before church tonight, you know, making some dinner and everything, and she had a great day today. I mean, Lord bless her today. Like, things she'd been praying for are, like, starting to happen, which is, if you want someone to pray for you, ask my wife to pray for you. She's an intercessor. It's really cool. So, um, but she's saying, I'm just, I'm just feeling really happy. Who else is happy? 
You know, and I'm like, I've kind of had a really rough week. And I'm like, I'm not feeling happy. I'm feeling kind of heavy right now. You know, but you know, that's a feeling that comes and goes. Happiness is a feeling that comes and goes. Joy, on the other hand, joy is about not a situation, not a circumstance. Joy is about a position. Joy is about a position. It's a position being secure in a relationship with the Father. That's what joy is based on. A relationship with the Father. That's joy. It's in, in our relationship with the Father, it doesn't matter what curveballs life throws our way. It doesn't matter if the prayers got answered that day or if their week has been really hard. You know what? I'm still in the same position with God as I was three hours ago. Right? So that's my joy. That's my joy. And then holiness deepens joy. Holiness deepens joy. When we live set apart, that's what holiness is, being set apart, and we live according to the rules of the kingdom, obediently, which are designed, by the way, for our flourishing because we follow the rules that the creator of the kingdom established, right? That allows us to have a deepened security, a deepened hope, a deepened fulfillment of life that will produce more and more joy in our life. You guys follow me? Cool stuff here. Now, too, too often as well, we confuse happiness and blessing with prosperity. With prosperity. Prosperity, guys, listen, it always, it always isn't what we think that it is. Prosperity isn't always what we think it is. Um, it's not simply material things, right? It's not like your bank account keeps growing and your cars keep getting better and your house keeps getting bigger. It's not that. It can include that, but it has more to do with growth and thriving. I'm about to go to a handheld in a couple minutes here, Brennan, if this thing keeps fly, flying off. And when we expand the definition of prosperity with growth and thriving... We make way for a vital ingredient of growth. You know what that vital ingre ingredient is? Let me clear some space here. The vital ingredient of growth is suffering. That's the vital ingredient of growth. Um, trials right, that was mentioned in the video. Suffering is an integral part of the Christian life. Suffering, we suffer for a couple reasons. A, you know, a good reason to suffer is, is for living out and proclaiming our faith, right? The Bible's clear. That's one thing Jesus promised, actually, that as you proclaim me, live for me, you know, you will have things come on you. You will suffer in my name. Okay? Now, we also endure suffering, which is part of our story in Daniel, because we bring it on ourselves because we've been in sin. We've been disobedient, and now we're being disciplined for our sin. That's what was going on with the nation of Israel in the story. They were far from God, and God brought this other kingdom in to besiege them as a point of discipline for his people. Daniel's story is full of suffering. It's full of suffering. Listen, the fall of Jerusalem, we were just talking about, enslavement by Babylon, this unbelievable godless culture, living under wicked rule 
being educated with godless philosophy. Uh, Daniel and his friends were given pagan names. Belshazzar, that Daniel's name was changed to, was identifying Daniel with their pagan god. Potentially, we can even read into this, that Daniel's friends were made into eunuchs. Okay? Listen, that's just the first seven verses of chapter 1. There's terrible suffering going on in Daniel's story. But as we tie this together and we're talking about God's control of who's in control and his sovereignty and his goodness and his plan and the perspective that we need to have through the midst of it all, it comes down to this. We must have our hope set on God and not ever our circumstance. Not ever our circumstance. So tonight, really tonight, is about having the right expectation. When we have the right expectation of God, of this life, then we can have the right action. I'm not going to be giving you a ton of like, go do A, B, and C this week, and you're going to be living more under God's, you know, with joy under God's control. Because there's some shifts in our thinking that have to happen. There's some shifts in our heart and our believing that have to happen. So tonight is really more about what we think and what we believe and what we hope for and what we expect Practical action points are only going to be helpful with the right foundation. Jeremiah 29, 11. You guys know that verse? Sound familiar? For I know the actually, let's read this together. This is a great verse. Let's read it all together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. That is a Hallmark card Bible verse, right? I'll guarantee some of you have this verse up in your home somewhere. It's on a plaque, you know, it's on a thing. You know what? Let's go ahead and do that. We good? We good? Let me take that thing off. Goodness gracious. Thank you. So, Many of us have Jeremiah 29 11 up in our homes. You know, we've written it on a graduation card. We've written it on wedding cards, right? But this verse, guys, let me tell you, we completely rip it out of context. We, while it's true on its own, God does have plans. He does want to give us a hope and a future. We must understand the context in which Jeremiah wrote this verse under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This verse was written to the Jews who were already in exile. They were already in exile. They had been taken captive. They had been removed from their land. This verse is not a verse that Moses or Joshua was telling the children of Israel as they were getting ready to go into the promised land. That's not this point of history. This is Fast forward hundreds of years in the future, and now the Jews have been disobedient. They've been taken captive, and they're in exile. And God inspires Jeremiah to say this to exile people of God. It was written to a conquered people. And it's also a crescendo of a larger teaching to God's people in exile on how to live in the place where they're exiled. Let's back up. Let's back up eight verses to Jeremiah 29, 
We're going to start at verse 3. This sets the stage for where we're going in verse 11. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisah, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilakiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Who's king of Babylon when they besieged Jerusalem and took Daniel and his friends captive? Who's the king of Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar. All right, same period of history. It said, verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem, the city of God, to Babylon, a godless pagan culture. He says this, verse 5, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. Verse 9, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord." As we look at verses 3 through 9, we discover how God's people are to live and conduct themselves in a godless society. Because no matter who is the king or the president or whoever of the godless society, we have a king who is enthroned on heaven, ruling over all, who's in control of who's in control. Amen? So what we are told to do is this. We are told to build and develop. Don't sit there and like, you know, and and complain and just hide in a corner, you know, and just go quietly about your life. Build and develop. Get out there and influence where you're at. It says marry and multiply and grow the people. I mean, this is, man, this calls back to our cultural mandate in Genesis chapter 1, where God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. He tells his people that over and over again, be fruitful and multiply. It says, seek the welfare of the city, of the pagan godless city that enslaved you. Yeah, that city. Seek their welfare. Pray for them, not against them. I think we get guilty in our culture sometimes. It's the American church. We pray against uh, the culture that we're in and not praying for the culture that we're in. And then this last thing he says is very interesting. He's telling them to ignore the prophetic, quote-unquote, voices that talk quick release. They talk quick release, quick deliverance. But they're talking that without preaching also a message of repentance. Listen, 
like Larry said in the video, God starts his discipline with his kids in, the, in, in their own house. You know what? And there's always sin in our lives for us to repent of. So if you ever hear a voice that's just talking deliverance and the good life and all that with a not a message of repentance, that's not the gospel. That's not a Bible teacher. Jesus' first words of his ministry was repent and believe the gospel. And that is our message today. Those are the messages you listen to. Anything else is cheap grace, and you ignore it. So listen, we expect God, right? The God who's in control of who's in control. We expect God to work things out in his time. We, ex- we expect God to work things out for his glory. And we expect God to work things out for our good. And in the meantime, we will not just sit back and wait. We will not just sit back and wait. We won't just rely on our own good works, but we will be a gospel presence where God has us. We will build and develop. We will marry and multiply. We will seek the welfare of the city where he has us, for in it we will find our welfare, and we will reject cheap grace, and we will live lives of faith and repentance and worship to God who is in control. Listen, I'm not going to give you any, there is no quick and easy answers for me to give you on anything. There are hard things going on in your life. There are hard things going on in my life. I don't know what God's doing with some of the things in my life. I have no idea. And I don't know why they've happened. I don't know why they're happening. I'm sure you could say the same thing. We flip on the news. We look at our phones. And, you know, the one thing I think we can prove without shadow of a doubt is that there is just terrible sin everywhere. That's one thing we can prove. Total depravity. But there's hope in the midst of it. There's hope in the midst of it because there's people like Daniel. And I believe there's people like this church that God has put and planted to be a gospel presence and to engage and to multiply and to show a godless world how good God is. And we're giving them a picture of a better kingdom, a picture of a higher kingdom. We're giving them a message of joy and not just happiness. So God is in control. Listen, when you don't think it, when you don't feel it, when you don't see it, my questions, my questions to you tonight are this. Where do you need this type of perspective like Daniel had? I think some parts of your life you have this perspective that God's in control. Some parts of your life you may not have this perspective. So what part of your life do you need this perspective? What difficulty or suffering do you have in your life right now that you need to trust God in being in control and choose to praise God in the midst of it? What difficulty or suffering are you facing? And what barrier is in your life? What sin pattern, what thoughts, what wrong perspective is keeping you from fully trusting God's sovereignty? What barrier do you need to repent of? I encourage you to use those take-home sheets and really use some study time. Read the book of Daniel. Spend time with the Lord. Talk with your friends. Pray with your friends. Be open and honest about these things you know, talk this, this stuff through. This is, this is where life gets really real for us. 
So here's what I do. And just in the last couple minutes, I would just, I just really feel it's probably important now as we've laid out a really heavy thing. Let's just take a minute in, in stillness and quiet. Maybe let's, you know, if you want to close your eyes and bow your head, think about, you know, the, your perspectives that changing, maybe a difficulty, uh, a, a point of repentance in your own life. And let's just bring that to the Lord right now. I want you to proclaim to him that he is king, whether you feel it or not. And I want you to just be honest with where you're at with him. He knows it already. He knows it already. Just confess it and agree with him and submit to him. I'm going to give you just a couple minutes just to be quiet with you and Jesus right now, okay? Then I'll close this up in prayer. As you've settled your mind down, just take a moment quietly and just tell God, tell him how good he is and worship him for being king. Turn your thoughts to something that you're struggling with. It's a trial. It's a point of suffering in your life. And just tell, just tell Jesus what it is. Tell him what, tell him what you're dealing with. One last prayer to Jesus right now, just as the Holy Spirit is just speaking to you and leading you, that, that maybe he's bringing to your mind uh, a, dis, a point of disobedience or disbelief that's being a barrier for you fully living for him right now, that you would just confess that and repent of that, turn away from that. Tell that to Jesus right now. Now just take a moment to thank him for his love and his grace and his mercy and forgiveness in your life. For that confession and repentance that you just made, thank him for his grace. Father God, we, we come before you and we recognize that you are king. We recognize that you are good we recognize and proclaim that you are the creator, that you have established your throne in the heavens and your rule is over all and your kingdom has no end. You have always been king. You always will be king. You are king today. Lord, I pray that you give us hope 
and wisdom when life is hard, when we are confused, when we're hurting and we can't see you and we're struggling feeling you and we're having a hard time believing you and uh, Lord, that you would just meet us where they're at and somewhere deep in our hearts that your spirit would just remind us of the quiet confidence that you are who you are. You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. That you are the God who is in control of who is in control. And Lord, we pray that through a foundation secure on you, that we would live lives that are obedient to you, that are honoring to you, that are for our good and for your glory, that we may thrive, not just as your person, but as your people. And Lord, that we would make a massive dent in this city where you have us, in this culture today, that your gospel would go forth with power and might because it's true and because we trust you. Thank you for being in control. And Lord, as this has brought up questions maybe in our head and things we want to discuss, give us the courage and the boldness to ask questions, to learn, to work out our faith with fear and trembling, knowing that you are going to complete the good work in us that you started. So Jesus, thank you, the author and perfecter of our faith who gives us everything we need to thrive in the Babylon that we live in today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hey, love you guys. God bless you. And we will see you on Sunday.